0: If you believe in the thesis that the world is going to continue embracing the technology, then the, the number of opportunities for us to connect our wallets is just going to increase. But what we really don't want is for the risk to increase proportionally.
1: Welcome to The Unstoppable Podcast the official podcast of unstoppable domains and the go-to place for everybody to learn about the latest innovations in Web3, NFTs, and the decentralized web. Join us each week to hear from experts, entrepreneurs, and the early stage investors that are building the future on the blockchain. Not only will this podcast help you understand why these emerging technologies are so important, but you'll also learn how you can become a pioneer in the metaverse. GM, GM, welcome to the Unstoppable Podcast. My name is Josh Gordon. I'm your host and today I'm joined by Fons, founder and CEO of Token Proof. I'm excited for this interview because there's a lot of dApps out there. And to be honest, a lot of them I have never used, but Token Proof is one that I've actually used in real life and found it super valuable and helpful to my NFT experience. So that's what I'm excited to dive into today. Fons. I think what you've created is pretty awesome. So let's dive in. But... I want to know how you doing.
0: I'm doing great, GM. Thanks for having me here.
1: You're welcome. Yeah, you're the uh, one of the GM kings I see on Twitter. Always throwing GMS out to the community, so I love to see it
0: every single
1: day. You got to start
0: your day with a GM.
1: Every how long have day. you been doing that? Uh, probably coming up close to a year now. Nice. That's a lot of GMs. And do you feel like you've actually been able to form some relationships and community on Twitter, you know, by, you know, having these kind of natural conversations with people, even if it's as simple as a GM?
0: Yeah, I definitely think that Twitter is our medium of communication in this phase. And, you know, having a GM every day helps form relationships. But I don't think I would be here at all if it wasn't for the relationships that I've been able to to build via Twitter and NFT Twitter.
1: And those relationships are definitely something I'm going to dive into, especially around. I mean, I see you with the board ape hat and it's your PFP on Twitter. I know that's a community you're super tapped into. And I had a lot of conversations with board ape members early on in my podcast journey. That was definitely during the peak of the NFT bull run. And I had a mutinate myself, but now like things are different markets shifted. And yeah, I'm kind of curious, like, you know, how does that community feel today?
0: You know, I am not like super plugged into the, like the discord every single day, but I think there's many of us that have been here for a while. I wasn't one of these guys that minted apes back in April or early May of last year. I actually bought my board ape and it's, it's coming up close to a year. So August 21st was the day that I bought. My uh, PFP, my board ape, and I love that community. I think one one of the biggest things with the Board Ape Club is so many businesses and so many ventures that have stemmed from that project. I mean, just as an example, the the guys at Tally Labs and everything they're doing with Jenkins the valet. I think that's that speaks to to how entrepreneurial the Board Ape Club community is. And so that was one of the first ones. It was not my first NFT, and it was not the first community that I joined, but it's definitely my favorite
1: yeah and are there any you know you gave a shout out to jenkins and the the riders room and everything they're doing over there any other nft communities you think are kind of notable or still doing cool things despite you know the market being down
0: i'm a degen so i'm a part of many communities and i own a lot of nfts I'm not this big whale by any means, but I think a notable community is doodles. And I'm I actually sold my doodle, uh, the the only one that I've that I've owned back in March. And I regretted it. And I just bought two uh in the last couple of days. It's a it's a project that I'm excited about, and I think they do really cool like IRL stuff. So excited about the doodles and and what the future holds for them.
1: For sure. The doodles, you know, surprisingly for being in the NFT space this long is just totally a community I haven't jumped into at all. I see them on my timeline all the time, got some good friends that still rock doodle PFPs. But uh, for some reason, I just never quite made it over to that corner of the NFT world. But uh, that's okay. There's there's enough communities for for everyone to, to find their spot. But you mentioned Bored Apes, entrepreneurial. You're an entrepreneur yourself. I'd love for you to Walk us through your journey a little bit of how you got into crypto in the first place and how that led you to founding TokenProof.
0: Honestly, I don't even remember exactly what got me into crypto, but Ramon, my CTO, has been talking about the blockchain since probably 2013. And so when he started speaking about it, I really didn't understand it. And I remember that it was 2017. And I think a lot of people bought crypto in 2017, maybe 2016.
1: Yeah, me included.
0: Yeah, I bought Bitcoin and Ethereum and just uh, left it there. And I made a promise to myself that I wouldn't touch it for five years. So five years is 2022. When the pandemic started, we started a venture focused on vaccine credentials. And we thought that we were going to restart the world's economies faster by allowing an individual to carry their vaccination status in their phone in a tamper-proof and verifiable way. And uh, that way, we'd be able to get back into airplanes and concerts and sporting events. We developed the technology, and we were one of the early players in that technology. And then we realized that it started getting very political, very much politicized. And we decided to shut down that business because it was very, very hard to go to market. And at that point, I had been working nonstop for about 15 years. I've always been an entrepreneur and I've always been in technology. And so I, I figured that maybe it was time to take a break and just uh, enjoy life for a couple of months. And that's when I got into the NFT space and I never left. So that that's sort of my journey. I, honestly, a year ago, I guess maybe a little over a year ago, I didn't even know how to set up my MetaMask, but uh, I took this break from work as the perfect opportunity to dive into the space. And it's, as you know, it's quite the rabbit hole. And so I don't think I'll ever leave at this point.
1: Yeah, it's definitely interesting how it can suck people in and really capture your imagination, your creativity, your like business focus. So cool to hear that journey. And, you know, the work you were doing with the vaccination cards. I mean, what a perfect example of something that should be or could be an NFT, right? Like this passport that you carry with you. Do you think you could just give your perspective on what would make a vaccination card a good example of what could be an nft like what properties or you know i, th- I think it's something that's tied to you I-, I could go on on my ideas but i'd be curious to just hear you riff on it for a sec
0: I mean, Vitalik talks about this, right? And he's put out the notion of soul-bound NFTs, which I I think it's a terrible utopian name or dystopian, I guess, name for for something like that. I don't think that everything needs to be on chain. And I think that uh, standards like verifiable credentials, for example, can serve that purpose and can accomplish the objective and still have that verifiable and tamper proof element to it and it involves cryptography so every verifiable credential which is actually the technology the token uses. uses. every credential is cryptographically signed by a private key and so it it doesn't need to live on chain and i don't know that i want my vaccine card living on the blockchain but there's that alternative of using verifiable credentials as a standard and have the same elements that an nft gives us just have it locally stored not necessarily on chain and forever ingrained into uh, a blockchain right
1: Yeah, I go back and forth on the soulbound tokens a little bit because I'm a little bit wary of tying an NFT or a credential or like a badge of some sort to a wallet permanently just because I feel like we might be shifting the wallets we use. You know, we see so many times scams, hacks, or there's probably hundreds of reasons why you might want to use a different wallet eventually.
0: Or losing your seed phrase.
1: Yeah, losing losing your seed phrase. So thinking about them tied to that, but I also think about my my vaccine card. It's been I have this like crossbody bag that has an inner pocket, and basically my vaccine cards lived in that since day one. But the amount of times I've t- taken it in and out to show people at doors and restaurants, it's crumpled. It's it's ripped, kind of in half, and I don't know. I, I guess. It feels like we're at the point where I don't need to show that to anyone anymore. And I do have a photo of it on my phone, which seems to be a substitute. But even every time I show someone a photo of the vaccine card, I think to myself how silly it is because I'm like, okay, it's so important. You can't let me in, but we're trusting this photo that I just have on my phone that you glanced at. There was absolutely no verification happening in this moment. I just want to scream NFTs at every like every host at a restaurant I show. I like, glanced at that too. So. I think that's a good transition into a little bit of you know token proof and before that i'd almost want to start at the problem like the, the problem in the space that i think token proof kind of addresses in your words what are some of the biggest challenges in the crypto space today that you see and you know the one of them that i'm going to throw out there is just the constant scams and hacks that i see happening on my twitter feed across people's like nft collections every single day
0: yeah no i mean that was one of the main motivations for us to build token proof because when I came into the space, I started noticing that I was connecting my wallet directly into all of these different services. And it ranges from like getting access to the merch shop by your favorite uh, collection, right? And so BAYC, they've dropped a number of items on, on an e-commerce shop and I need to connect my wallet directly to get access to it. Or if I want to get a role on Discord or if I want to get access to an allow allow list through pre Mint, I need to connect my wallet. And so this needs to change. And it's something that I quickly realized because if you believe in the thesis that the world is going to continue embracing the technology, then the the number of opportunities for us to connect our wallets is just going to increase. But what we really don't want is for the risk to increase proportionally, right? Because every time that you're connecting your wallet to a service, whether it's an app open sea discord pre whatever it is you're exposing your tokens directly right and if it's a malicious site and it gets you to sign a message that is malicious or it gets you to execute a transaction which is another problem right ux needs to improve because up to now the the ux is still very cryptic when you look at any wallet and it's like wh- what the hell is this message that i'm signing i'm just going to trust that it's something legitimate and hit okay and maybe i'm going to execute the transaction on my ledger but I wish we would have more tools that gave me a better explanation of what I'm actually executing on the blockchain, right? And that's how a lot of people have gotten their NFTs stolen. And so that was the number one motivation is, can we provide a better mechanism to prove that I own that nft so that I can get access to the merch drop without exposing that nft and that's exactly what token proof is is the ability for you to be able to interact with your tokens without all of this unnecessary exposure if we don't solve that issue then i don't, I don't see how this space evolves and, and and grows exponentially
1: totally I mean even getting some insight on it, working on unstoppable i was i was I'm in all these Slack channels, right? And I love chiming in on product topics and whatnot. And there was some transaction that we're working on that needs to be signed by the users. And just seeing how little flexibility there is from the MetaMask side to be able to update the message, uh, to let the user know, like, this is exactly what you're signing. And every time I go in there on my own and I'm, like on any DAP or, When I'm minting from a contract and it says like, are you ready? Do you want to sign or reject? And I look at the message and oftentimes it's really like a string of characters or numbers. It's not even readable. And so I find it hard to understand what I'm actually signing. And there's always that fear that you're clicking a malicious message. I mean, you bring up a good point on A, if we don't solve this, this space isn't going to move forward. I'm kind of curious, like, is the way we're using wallets like the way you think we should be or is that just the first step and we're actually going to be moving away from that in the future
0: i think it's going to evolve it's certainly going to evolve and there's already some of us working on different solutions one of those solutions is token proof for sure but there's also something that we're working on i'm i'm part of a working group with the punk 6529 for example that is working on the ability for you to delegate certain rights to another wallet, right? And so if I have my board Ape in my cold wallet, I wanna be able to delegate certain rights to a hot wallet, for example, claiming an airdrop. Well, I guess you don't claim an airdrop, you get an airdrop, but uh, basically delegating the ability to receive that airdrop to another wallet or the ability to go to an IRL event to a different wallet or just to prove ownership of the NFT through another wallet. It's something that we're working on and we're probably going to propose a formal standard in the coming months. It's different types of solution, but that's something that is going to need to happen in order for the space to evolve and in order for the for the space to scale up without all of uh, this fraud and, and scamming that, that we see every day, because it's, it sucks. You know people that have lost their NFTs. Maybe you've lost an NFT yourself because of falling into some trap and that that obviously needs to stop. And there's also other challenges as it pertains to wallets, like storing your seed phrase securely. And I always say that this space cannot go fully mainstream until my mom can be able to purchase an NFT and keep custody of that, of that NFT without being scared that somebody will go after it and, and steal it, right?
1: Totally. I've got my mom on MetaMask. She participated in the other side mints, but I had to be like on FaceTime throughout that whole ordeal. It was simple enough to walk through, but um, I can't say she understood every step of the way, but she was willing to to listen to my advice there. You know, and I have had friends that have lost NFTs. I haven't lost an NFT, thankfully. Uh, I hope never. My one good friend like sent me a link and he was like, hey, I just like, signed up for this and he sent it to me. I looked at it. It was some like ape it was right when ApeCoin was coming out. And immediately my heart sank and I was like, oh no. You you click that. Don't tell me you signed anything. He's like, yeah, I did. And I was like, immediately go to OpenC, transfer me anything in your wallet. And by the time he had pulled it up, it had been like three minutes. Uh his NFTs were gone. And the value of them wasn't super high, but I think still the experience was negative. And I hate to see that because you have that negative experience and all of a sudden it keeps you away from going further down the education journey and experimenting with things. And so- You
0: you bring up a good point because I've actually had friends that I've onboarded onto the space. And unfortunately, one of them fell into one of these traps and got their funds stolen and he hasn't come back to the space ever since and it's been almost a year. And so we really don't want people to be spooked out and, you know, not willing to participate because of those bad experiences. So, you know, I I trust that just like we saw because I still remember 1995, 1996 when Web 1.0 was starting and we were all playing with with all of this stuff that required a lot of the same friction and a lot of the same danger and, and how it evolved. We've seen this movie before and there's gonna be solutions and there's gonna be things that make it safer and easier for people to interact. And things like just setting up the the MetaMask or setting up your, your wallet and making sure that you store your seed phrase securely and all of this stuff. I think there's going to be a lot that is going to be abstracted in terms of friction and, and things will get easier and smoother.
1: So can you walk me through like the as-is state of how DApps use wallets to verify ownership? I kind of like to start there and um, get a little bit of a, a walkthrough and then walk through in more detail how how token proof is looking at that future state. Could you do that for us?
0: Yeah, of course. So your digital wallet connects to a node in the blockchain, right? And there's a lot of like node providers, cloud node providers like Infura and Alchemy that run those nodes for you because you don't necessarily want to run your own node. There's reasons why you may, but even MetaMask runs through one of these providers. And so once you connect your wallet to one of these apps or services, your Ethereum address is ran through that node to verify that you own certain assets, right? And if you own those assets, then you can proceed. And that wallet can also send instructions through that node to execute transactions on the blockchain. That's why, you know, we're all able to transact using different wallets, whether it's MetaMask, Trust Wallet, Rainbow Wallet, Coinbase Wallet. But in the end, all of these wallets, transact through a node in the blockchain, whether they host it themselves or whether they use a third-party provider for, for that node, right? And every transaction that you execute on the blockchain requires your private key. And your private key is the most important thing that that controls your assets. A lot of people think, and this is a misconception, that your actual tokens are stored in your wallet. And that's not true. Even if you have a hardware wallet, like a Ledger or a Trezor, there's no tokens living there. It's not like files on a USB drive. The only thing that lives within those uh, devices, and, and even if it's a software wallet, it's your private key. And your private key is what controls your blockchain account. And if you lose access to your key, it's literally like being locked out of your home because you lost your physical key. It's exactly the same thing. And that's why you want to keep your seed phrase in a safe uh, location, right?
1: So I'm like picturing houses stacked on top of each other. Let's say there's like literally hundreds of houses stacked on top of each other and everyone can see those houses. And in my hardware wallet, which I have access to that private key, I can only get into one of those houses with my hardware wallet. Like I have my key. Everyone can see them. They're out in the public and they're not in my wallet. That's kind of how you're describing that.
0: That's exactly right. And that's also why you can control the same blockchain account through different wallets simultaneously. For example, you could have your MetaMask on your browser and trust wallet on your phone and still interact with the same blockchain address or blockchain account because your actual tokens don't live in wallets. Your tokens live in the blockchain, but they're controlled by your wallets or your private key.
1: Interesting. And with those wallets, like what, when you connect to a website and you click connect and you click sign, is when you click sign, and maybe it's different in different cases, but when you click sign, that's essentially putting your private key in the lock and turning it, right? And saying, like, this is me.
0: That's exactly right. And so it's literally a signature that is generated from your private key and that you're able to validate with your public key. Think of your public key as your Ethereum address that is public and everybody knows it, right? And so there there needs to be a match between that digital signature using algorithms, that public key needs to match with the private key. And that's how you validate a digital signature.
1: When you sign into a lot of those dApps, is that signing where a lot of these um, malicious attacks can come from? Or is just connecting to a dApp not necessarily enough to expose you know, your private key and your assets? Uh,
0: connecting is not going to do anything. If you connect your wallet to token proof, it doesn't even prove that you're the real owner of that wallet. The only thing that proves beyond a reasonable doubt that you're the real owner of that wallet is if you sign a message with your private key because that is able to be verified at a cryptographic level. So connecting wallets is zero risk. Signing a message is the next step in risk, right? Because we've seen some scams although it's unlikely that that you'll get scammed just by signing a message. But we have seen some scams where even by signing a message, you're able to lose funds. This is something that we saw earlier this year, where I think you were being tricked into signing a sell order that was then transferred to some a marketplace like OpenSea. And it was basically this document that said, hey, Josh is allowing the sale of this token, when in reality, you didn't intend to do that, right? Signing messages is, it's some risk. And you got to be careful in in what you sign. And you obviously have to be careful in what you connect to anyway. And the next step in, in risk is actually executing a transaction in the blockchain. And that's where a lot of people, the majority of people get scammed, is you execute a transaction that allows for a scammer to make use of your funds or your tokens. And that's what's called a set approval or a set approval for all, right? And you'll see it sometimes in MetaMask. And that's where you got to really be careful.
1: That was a very thorough kind of explanation of the as-is situation. And we've touched on where token proof fits into that. But how is token proof now letting me prove that I own these assets in a safe way?
0: That's a good question. So TokenProof, what what happens is you will come to tokenproof.xyz and you will be asked to connect your wallet and you will be asked to sign a message with that wallet just once. And hopefully by now people trust us because every partner that has trusted us, right?
1: Can I interject right there? Like that signing that transaction to after you connect the wallet, that signed transaction is the hopefully the one time you have to sign a transaction and then you never have to do it again. So it's like that, that is where that risk occurs from what you just explained, you know, but because we can trust token proof, you can trust that you're not giving this set approval to all message. You do it once and then you don't have to go through those trusts every single time. Probably really not a good example, but I guess it's not like getting your password saved on, you know, a web to website, right? Like it's not like you get your password saved in Facebook and you can just log on every time, but I feel like that's a little bit of it.
0: Well, yeah, and we're we're sort of a middleman in the sense that you're signing a transaction to token proof and then to- token proof is vouching for you as the real owner of that wallet every time that you want to go through a token proof enabled token gate, right? So, you connect your wallet, you sign a message with that wallet it's completely gasless because you're never actually interacting with the blockchain. The only thing that you're doing is you're proving to token proof that you are the owner of that Ethereum account, right? Once we validated that you own that wallet, then we issue a verifiable credential in the mobile app, in the token proof mobile app so that you can use that instead of your wallet, right? And so for, an IRL token gate like ApeFest, you were showing a QR code that represented your wallet. And when we scan that QR code, we're going to the blockchain in real time and we're making sure that you still own that board ape or that mutant ape to get into ApeFest. But by then we have already validated that you are the owner of that that wallet. And this works both online and in the real world. We're sort of a notary, if you will. We're witnessing that you are signing a message with your wallet, so that proves to us that you're in control of that wallet. And then we're issuing this credential that now serves as proof of ownership of that wallet. And we're not gonna cover all of use all of the use cases. You're never gonna be able to mint using token proof. You're never gonna be able to transfer tokens using token proof. We stop at the point where It's no longer proof of ownership and you actually need to execute a transaction on the blockchain. Token Proof will never be able to execute a transaction on your behalf because then at that point we become a wallet and we don't want to become a wallet.
1: Yeah. Does that have to do with just the functions in the back end of your smart contract? Like you just mentioned set approval for all and like, I don't know. I don't know enough about the functions of smart contracts, but it seems like there's just not even that capability to, to send like, it's, it's not an option that you can turn on or off.
0: Well, first of all, we don't have your private key. And so we wouldn't be able to execute any transaction on your behalf without your private key. And we don't want your private key. And we're completely gasless and off-chain. And so we don't even have a smart contract. I, I would say that TokenProof, more than a Web3 startup, is a Web 2.5 startup because we're not actually like writing to the blockchain. We're reading from the blockchain every time that we have to validate that you own a certain set of tokens. But we're not writing into the blockchain.
1: Yeah, I could see something like this being being very helpful. What you kind of mentioned about on-chain, there's on-chain and off-chain data, you're verifying. It's definitely something Unstoppable is thinking about is like, how do you associate on-chain and off-chain data to your NFT domain name? And that's so that's like linked to it, that shows I own this or this is me. And I, I could see some of that those integrations or definitely thinking about some of the same lanes here. But let's dive into, I really appreciate that full overview there. I have a better understanding now I'm geeking out. Yeah, you mentioned like ticketing uh, and th- those are the use cases that I've kind of used token proof for. It's to get into 8Fest, to get into the Moonbird party at NFT NYC. Do you see ticketing becoming a big NFT use case? And like why is, in this case is this better than like a ticket master?
0: Yeah, and so what we've tackled as one of our first use cases is events, right? And because we had a lot of demand from event organizers in the crypto and NFT space, like the Board of Yacht Club, for example, and all of our partners, we actually hosted about 80 events at NFT NYC with our platform. And because we had all of that demand, we had to build an entire ticketing system that where the user would be able to come in, claim tickets to an event, and then have those tickets in the token proof mobile app, just like you would with Ticketmaster or Eventbrite. But all of these tickets have been free so far, right? Nobody paid to get into ApeFest. If you own an NFT that uh, made you eligible to attend one of these events, you would get into the event. You didn't have to pay anything extra. I think the evolution of this is where event organizers want to charge for tickets and want those tickets to be NFTs. I think that use case is going to be huge. And I think we're going to see eventually an incumbent to StubHub because here's what's happening right now. Somebody like the Rolling Stones, they sell tickets through Ticketmaster and the tickets are $200 a pop, right? There's people that buy those tickets for $200 and then they list them on StubHub and then the price goes to $1,000, right? So who's capturing that difference between $200 and $1,000? The reseller is, right? The reseller and StubHub are capturing the $800 of difference. Who's actually justifying the value of the ticket being $1,000, who's actually creating that price to go to $1,000? It's the Rolling Stones. Because if it wasn't the Rolling Stones, people wouldn't be willing to pay 1000 bucks, right? But the artist is not getting anything for that transaction other than the initial 200 bucks. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, yeah, it does. It, it definitely sounds like, I think where you're going with this is that the, the use of NFTs and enabling people to sell NFTs as tickets is going to allow them to capture more of the secondary market value because right now they're only capturing value at the first point of sale.
0: You're absolutely right. And that's exactly where I was going is by having tickets as NFTs, then the Rolling Stones can bake in a secondary market royalty into every NFT that is sold and resold. And every time that that ticket changes hands, then they get a cut from that transaction. And I know that there's a lot of artists that are asking for it because they're missing out on value that they are creating. It's not the reseller that is creating the value. It's the talent that is creating the value. And they're they're not capturing any of that value. And so I think that is going to be a huge, huge use case. We're starting to see ticketing marketplaces pop up. Now we need the adoption of those marketplaces and the adoption of technology but we go back to one of the key challenges in our space which is how is my mom going to be able to purchase a ticket to the to the rolling stones if it's an nft and so we need to abstract all of that friction and make sure to, that my mom doesn't even know that it's an nft and yet she's able to interact with the technology
1: yeah no it makes sense and we're talking about token gating right now and right now it that for tickets that's that's around events. And I heard you talking about another example that I'd love to dive into. We had we had Avery from Vayner3 on the pod, and I know you presented at the Vayner, the Vayner demo day. And you mentioned something that I thought was really interesting, which is around the point of sale, and you gave like a retail example of token gating. So I feel like everything I've seen online has been around information so you can token gate information maybe like an alpha chat or a discord channel you can token gate events which is what we just talked about like in real life when you talk about token gating retail i don't know that was the first time i'd heard of that so could you go down that use case for you know for token gating and maybe even if how you could see an application like token proof playing a part of that
0: Yeah. And I don't know that this use case is going to materialize this year. Maybe it'll materialize next year. We'll see. But we want to be the pioneers of token gating retail. And what that means is I see a world where Sephora or Victoria's Secret or one of these women-focused brands wants to offer a discount to holders of a women-focused NFT collection, such as Boss Beauties or, or World of Women. And so because... The blockchain is public and because there's users that have enrolled their wallets using token proof, we know if they're holding a Boss Beauty or a World of Women token, right? And so now Sephora can run a promotion that gives these users, I don't know, 10% off when they show up at the store. So token proof can be that medium to bring awareness to the user and we can send a push notification to those users saying, hey, because you own one of these tokens, you can walk up to a store and get 10% off. And when that user goes to Sephora, we can perform that validation that they're in possession of that Boss Beauty or that World of Women token in order to get that discount. And that means that we're going to have to be integrated with point of sale systems like Shopify, Square, etc. And so we're starting to do some work there. And I think that unlocks a lot of potential because it's more real world interaction with NFTs. And Sephora doesn't even have to own their own collection, right? They don't have to mint NFTs. They just need to offer that benefit to holders of existing collections. And I think we're gonna start seeing that. It, it's not an immediate use case because we still have to work in getting NFTs into the mainstream, but you know we're gonna enable those use cases pretty soon.
1: Yeah, and is that basically, you'd like walk up to the cash register and scan your QR code, and they can immediately verify, okay, boom, you hold those NFTs in your wallet, that is you and discount applied.
0: You're exactly right. But instead of showing a QR code, and this is more of a technicality, but you, you know how you go to a coffee shop and they flip that tablet to you to add the tip. And so in that screen, you'll see it, it's going to be a similar process where they'll flip that screen to you and they'll show a QR code that you will scan using the token proof app. So instead of showing a QR code, you'll be scanning a QR code. And that authentication is going to happen behind the scenes. And then the discounts are going to apply on the back end.
1: Gotcha. Cool. That's a very, very interesting example of how we can token gate this in real life content. And I, I think it's an important thing to note, too. You mentioned like Sephora doesn't have to have their own. NFT collection. So much talk right now is, all right, you're a brand, you need to get your NFT strategy in place. But there's a whole strategy that is, let me tap into other communities. Not everyone is probably built or aligned to create that community and, and have all those like fans or customers. And so definitely a, another way to go around it is tapping into existing ones for sure. So I love that. Well, that was a great deep dive there. I think uh, another question I had for you is just a little bit around UX and then maybe we can get into some of my one, two, web, three questions. But we've talked a lot about the user experience with like wallets and signing transactions. Is there another area of UX that you think really needs to be addressed in the crypto space?
0: I think opening a wallet for sure. To me, that's the number one is is how how can I get a wallet without all of this friction Obviously understanding what I'm signing. And I think every single piece of UX needs to get better. An example of good UX is what you guys at Unstoppable are doing and obviously ENS and and these things so that we don't have to remember the entire wallet address, right? Because it's it's way easier. I don't I don't think the the internet would have been successful if we all had to remember ip addresses and that's exactly why domains exist is because you can go to google.com instead of 10.1. Whatever. i think that very much goes in line with the uh, ux and you you guys are definitely and unstoppable domains is definitely uh creating value there so there's a lot of areas where, where ux needs to be improved but that's an example of it
1: for sure i i like that call out i appreciate it and you know it One more thing on unstoppable that we're thinking through on the UX side, since you mentioned like opening wallets is you can buy an unstoppable NFT domain with like crypto and you can mint it after the fact so that. That first, that purchase is like registering the domain to your name, and then you can mint the wallet to to a wallet later. You can mint upon purchase, but if you don't have that wallet set up, I think that's just another way to onboard easier because with a lot of crypto applications, you have to have the MetaMask first, have the ETH in it, then be able to connect to a website. Those are many steps. And get your feet wet into the crypto space with you know payment mechanisms we're, we're used to i almost want to take one jump back for a second because i remembered a question i had in my head that i i lost immediately but one more token proof question is when you mentioned you had like 80 partnerships at ftnyc was there a big takeaway from that week just from watching all these people use like verify irl like in real life like I'm sure it didn't go perfectly smooth. And that and that's okay. But is there like a takeaway you saw from all those experiences that was like, oh, okay, that's something we need to be doing in the future? Because And I ask this because um, really, I feel like that's got to be one of the first instances of like token gaining some in real life events. And there's got to be some pretty good lessons learned there.
0: Well, it it was risky to begin with, and it was risky on many sides. One is obviously there's a lot of projects that trusted us. And I'm so fortunate that that happened. But we're this startup that started uh, in January of this year. And so we didn't have this track record of successful token gating at hundreds of events. NFT NYC was our big bang, and it was the very first time. It was like our coming out party. And so um, we we learned so many things. One is even our UX needs to, uh, needs to get better. A lot of people were raving about our UX, and there's still a lot of room for, for improvement. And things like we use an animated QR code to prevent screenshots and screen recordings from being used. But now we're thinking about because there's very simple things that we don't think about when we're developing inside of our garage and it's glare from the sun and how hard it is to scan QR codes if if you have this glare because of the sun. And so we need to move towards like RFID and NFC. That's something that we're going to be working on. We also learned that we have to be very aligned with how the logistics of the event are being planned on the ground. So we, we're not just this software provider, but we really have to understand how the logistics are being planned by the event organizers because... To be honest, when something goes wrong, technology is the first to be blamed for it. There were instances where we came close to something wrong happening, or maybe somebody had to wait in line for an hour because of the event logistics, which that's not something that we set in place, right? We're not the event organizers. And yet it could have been something where they say, well, it was token proof because token proof was acting up. Fortunately, that never happened, but we need to be ver- better aligned with event organizers and making sure that those logistics are, are planned correctly. That's, that's something that we learned as well. But all in all, we had great partners and everything went very, very smoothly other than, you know, the QR code couldn't be scanned because the user's phone w- uh, screen was cracked and I, I can't really do anything about it.
1: Interesting. Yeah, that's very interesting edge case there. And also just with events in general, I mean, with NFT NYC, some of these big parties, you're getting a couple thousand people showing up at a door that like one or two people can walk through at a time, and that's just that bottleneck. That's that's more on the event side. Thanks for answering that. And you know, I actually got I got one question from the community for you, so I'll throw that out. So shout out to shout out to this Twitter member. I don't know if this is a pronounceable name, but UGO007. They asked will token proof expand to Solana and other layer 1s.
0: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and we're working on it. And I think by the end of this year there's going to be many more blockchains that we support and we're already working on a couple. And so I don't want to name names to, you know, make it seem like I have favorites. Although Ethereum is my favorite, but we will be integrating Solana, we will be integrating other blockchains for sure.
1: Sweet. All right. Fonz, this has been great. Let's do one, two, web three. Some questions I end every podcast with and uh, I'm curious in your answers. So the first one I'll hit you with is one. Who's an influential web three creator, entrepreneur, or collector that's really inspired or educated you?
0: Uh, Keith Grossman. And Keith is the president at Time. And, you know, being tasked with being the president of this huge Historic publication and how he's brought that publication, that traditional media, into Web3 and really embraced Web3. Not only that, but supporting so many artists to be a part of that ecosystem. I think that uh, you know I have mad respect for him.
1: Yeah, awesome answer. And what's your favorite NFT? Board Ape
0: Club, and specifically my ape. And I'm not ever going to sell my ape. I don't think.
1: Nice. I said that with my Mutant Ape. I wasn't going to ever sell it. I had an original board Ape. Too long of a story to go into. But I sadly sold it too early. Got a Mutant Ape. I don't have my Mutant Ape anymore either. But that's, that's cool. I do hope you diamond hand that forever. And third question. In five years, what's the craziest thing you think we'll be getting up to in the metaverse that people just aren't thinking about yet?
0: I think a lot of people don't realize that we're going to do things that we do in the traditional world in the metaverse. And I think that you're going to be able to go to the AT&T or Verizon store in the metaverse and get customer service that way. I think you'll be able to go to a career fair or a job fair in the metaverse and have an actual interview with your uh, prospective employer. And a lot of people are not thinking about that, but I think that is a big part of what the metaverse will become.
1: Very cool. Yeah, telepresence is. I feel like most people haven't really experienced telepresence, and just in terms of you know meetings in VR and whatnot. Yet they're they're happening, and there's tons of startups working on that idea. So yeah, you're you're in Austin. I'm sure you see a lot of it. I was in Austin in the in the Capital Factory. I don't know if you're familiar with that startup hub, right? And um, a lot of cool VR telepresence stuff going on there. Well, awesome. Fonz, let us know where can we connect with you. And like follow you, you online after we listen to this interview.
0: Yeah, for sure. So my Twitter handle is GM And you can also follow TokenProof at, at TokenProof on Twitter.
1: Sweet. Well, thank you so much. Thank you to everybody listening to this podcast please give funds a follow on Twitter. Throw them a GM. GMs are happening every single day. I want to see them happening. And if you like this, throwing a subscribe on YouTube or a follow on Spotify or Apple Podcasts would mean so much to me. Helps us grow. So with that, I'll see you on Twitter. I'll see you on the Metaverse. And I'll catch you next week on the Unstoppable Podcast. Peace out.
0: Thank you so much, Josh.
1: I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the unstoppable podcast if something we said today resonated with you please leave us a review subscribe and share this with your friends and remember this conversation doesn't have to end here tweet us your questions thoughts and ideas to unstoppable web i look forward to hearing from you and thank you so much for listening